Welcome into the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I'm your host, Dave Gasper. With me this week is our contributor, Paul Brettel. Uh, Paul, it's we're good to have you on again. I remember you were on one of our earlier shows, and now we've gotten you, gotten you back on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to it, and it's an exciting time of the year. I know baseball's done, but the offseason up and going, there's lots to talk about. Uh, absolutely, and our normal third person that uh, is that will be with us, Matthew Dwoskin, uh, he was unable to make it this week, so uh, it's just going to be the two of us going forward, talking a lot about the news of Brewers baseball coming up. We got lots of rumors to hit, free agent, trade, non-tender, a uh, lot of big things to cover because we've missed the past couple weeks, last week with Thanksgiving and the week before because... Matthew and I were simply too busy to find the time to to put this together because I mean sometimes life just you know it, it gets in the way sometimes but um, all right so the the first big bit of news was from Ken Rosenthal earlier today saying that the Brewers were leaning towards non-tendering Jonathan Scope they were looking to trade him but. If they are unable to trade him, it's looking like the Brewers are going to non-tender Jonathan Scope and Paul. Uh, what, what's your what's your initial reaction to seeing that? Um, honestly, not too surprised. He obviously didn't work out in Milwaukee. I guess if you're you know trying to look at it from an optimistic point of view, uh, his time in Milwaukee, the numbers he put up were far below his career average. So if you're looking, you know, if we brought him back, there's You'd like to think that he'd be able to bounce back and be a good contributor for us. But the price tag, I think around $10.1 million is what they're anticipating. Yeah. He'll have to get paid this year. And for a small market team like Milwaukee, you know, that's, you know, that's roughly 10, 8 to 10% of the payroll on a guy that you're hoping will contribute for you. You know, maybe the Yankees or Red Sox or Dodgers could take that kind of risk, but... Um, I just don't see how he's going to come back, especially he's really that position is just kind of a, a fill in the gap right now till Keston here arrives. Yeah, it really there was no momentum for Scope to really kind of build off of going into this next season. I mean, it was just right there. There was no like, oh, he was terrible for most of it, but towards the end, you know, he got better. And, you know, there, there's some reason for optimism, like there was with Orlando Arcia. Orlando Arcia mm-hmm. struggled a lot for the first, like, four months of the season. But he turned it on late, so there's a lot of reason for optimism with Arcia. But with Scope, he got worse in, in September and October than he was in August. And I thought that'd be pretty hard to do, but somehow he <laughs> did it. And Scope, he just – he never found his footing, and from – Everything that that's really kind of around scope. I mean, just just looking at his numbers. I I had the uh, the three reasons to non tender scope article a couple days ago, and y- mm-hmm. you just look at him. He's got a two ninety four career on base percentage. Okay, David Stearns does not like that. Okay, okay, the Brewers and their love of analytics, they don't like that because look at what they did when they got Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelch. They wanted to move towards a on base oriented offense where it's just it's not all or nothing type hitters it's just a lot of guys that that can get on base that can draw walks and can can keep the line moving Jonathan Scope cannot draw walks he draws walks at a 3.7 percent rate that's terrible and 
really, he he doesn't get on base. He's got a below 300 on base percentage. He's got really all or nothing type profile at the plate. That, that's really kind of what he has. And for the Brewers, that doesn't really seem like a, a type of guy that they want in their offense. And that's why it made it kind of even more puzzling why they got him in the first place after they had already acquired Mike Moustakis. Uh, that's a great point and really scope his whole career. He has at the plate, he's very, he's just streaky. When he's on, he's on. And when he's not, he's not. And his time as a brewer, he just, I don't know if he's just pressing too much or what it was, but other than that um, grand slam off of Madison Bumgarner, he just didn't really have any big moments for us. And honestly, if we would have went to the World Series, Craig Council would have had the decision, does he even make the, make the roster for that just with how bad he was playing. I think the one game he fully played against LA, I think he went over five or something like that at the plate. Um, I agree with everything said, you know, we got a, we got enough guys that strike in the lineup (laughs) at times. So, but, but the big thing is the price tag. I mean, if that's cut in half, even maybe you take that chance, but that's a big chunk for the brewers. Yeah, a big chunk for a guy that had no success with your team, had nothing really positive to build off of, and doesn't really fit your offensive profile. And as Rosenthal said, you know they're they're trying to trade him. And David Stearns even confirmed that uh, with Adam McAlvey and Tom Hodgecourt earlier that they're that they're looking at all those options with scope. You know, trading him, non-tendering him, they're looking at all of that. And I find it very difficult. I, I was saying a couple podcasts back. I thought they could trade him. They could get something for him, mm-hmm. and and Matthew and and everyone else just all just kind of laughed at me. It's like, now nah, you're probably not going to get that much. And I kind of realize now that they were probably right because I, I took a little I took a little deeper dive into that second base market, and when mm-hmm. you look at it, there's about three or four teams outside of the Brewers that could use a second base upgrade. Right. And on the second base market in free agency, you've got as Drupal Cabrera, Brian Dozier, Ian Kinsler, Jed Lowry, DJ LeMayhew. On the trade market, you got Robinson Cano, you have D. Gordon, you have Rugnet Odor. There are several, several starting quality options. Daniel Murphy's also a free agent. There are several starting quality options on the free agent and trade market that are coming off of better seasons than Jonathan Scope. That would just make so much more sense for those teams that are searching for a second baseman. So why would any of them want to trade for Jonathan Scope coming off of a terrible year with only one year of control? So that that's mm-hmm. where I think trading him is going to be impossible. Yeah, I agree. I don't see it being very likely either. Say the Brewers do get an offer, and we know it's going to be a low-ball offer just because... Oh yeah. Every, everyone knows that the Brewers don't want to keep him. They don't want him on the books. I mean, do the Brewers take it? Because it's either that or let him walk. Do you at least get something for him, even though it may not be what he's fully worth? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really going to be the struggle for for David Stearns. And we saw this a couple of years ago with Scooter Jeanette. Scooter mm-hmm. Jeanette was placed on waivers. And, you know, they, they came to the end of spring training. They put him on waivers. They tried to trade him, couldn't find anything. And he walks in free agency and goes to the Reds for nothing in return. And now all of a sudden he's really good. And everyone's like, how come the Brewers couldn't get a, a single player or anything in return for Jeanette? 
And you right. could have the same kind of thing here with Scope. If he goes someplace else and has success, everyone's going to be like, you gave up on him too quickly. You didn't get anything back for him. And it's just, it's just a failure. But, but with where Scope is and with where the market is, you know, I don't know if, if you could risk not getting anything for him. If someone's willing to offer you a player that you mm-hmm. think at least has a decent chance to, to make the big leagues or, or something, I mean, I'd take it. I mean, I it's it's not going to be equal to to what you gave up to get them. You know, you, you're not gonna, you're probably not going to get a top thirty prospect from anyone's farm no, system. No. But mm-hmm. you could at least get maybe a body or two. Uh, I don't know yeah, with, exactly. with with the way the market is. I don't see much more than that. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't you know Stearns has hit a lot of home runs in his time here, and obviously you're not going to hit on all of them, but. But he struck out big time on this one. I'll agree with that. But assuming they do um, non-tender him, you know, at least he recognized it and isn't trying to double down and, you know, potentially hurt this team, you know, in 2019 by having him. So at least he's recognized that. I I totally agree with you there. I mean, because I do think there are a lot of GMs that would, you know, you know, put their ego into it and say, yeah, you got to save face. Exactly. Yeah, it's like we gave up all this to get this guy. We believe in him. We think he's going to be good. And then he comes out and still stinks, and then you just kind of look like an idiot. But mm-hmm. yeah, And I, it was one of those trades, too, that at the time, a lot of, I know us and a lot of fans were, even we were confused. You know, it wasn't one of those trades where you made it, and it's like, all right, this is the guy, and then he doesn't pan out. Even at the time of acquiring him at the deadline, uh, I guess, at least for me anyways, I was just kind of confused at bringing them in anyways. Yeah, because they already had Moustakis. Cause, exactly. Because, I mean, there, there were talks about getting Scopes. <laughs> like, okay, like like this makes some sense. You get Scope for second base, and you know maybe you move VR along with it, and that'll just kind of solve our problem. And he's got that extra year control, that, that bridge to Hira, and it's perfect. And then they went out mm-hmm. and got Moustakis since they were moving Shaw over to second. And it's like... Right. um. Okay, a little odd, but you're David Stearns. Right. Let's go with it. And yeah, exactly. So we're all, we're all like, okay, yeah, like we were like we were just starting to buy into the idea of of Travis Shaw playing second, Mustakis playing third. Then all of a sudden they get scope at the deadline, like five days later, and you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, like this this made more sense before the Mustakis trade, but now it's just. It was so weird how, how they did it. You wonder if they were worried about Shaw defensively, maybe? I don't know. That's, I don't think so. What, only... what I think it actually was, was David Stearns and, you know, I I, I don't say this, you know, lightly or whatever. I, I, I think David Stearns was making a deal just for just for the sake of making a deal because he knew he <laughs> had to make one. He knew he, he, he wanted to make one more change before – the end of the deadline, and he right. was going hard after those pitchers. He was going hard after Kevin Gosman and Chris mm-hmm. Archer, and he didn't get either. And so it was about like 10 minutes to the deadline, or mm-hmm. I think it was like a half hour to the deadline when, when Gosman went, and he's like, I need something. And right. all the pitchers he wanted were gone, so he just moved to the next guy on the list, which was Scope, and he just turned around, got that deal wrapped up, and he's like, all right, I – I did something. I I boosted this offense even further, and 
It just mm-hmm. it backfired horribly, and and that's why you don't make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. Even though everyone's always pushing, make the trade for this guy, make the trade for this. Like, go get something, do something, sign a pitcher, do something. But every time you do, just you know, do something just for the sake of doing it, it tends to backfire. And that's what I think happened with, with Stearns and Jonathan Scope here. Yeah, I, I mean, that makes perfect sense. And obviously Stearns is nowhere near this point, but there's that old saying that goes somewhere along the lines of if if you think like the fans, you're eventually going to be a fan. <laughs> yeah. Because you won't be around. And that's basically what the Mets do because the Mets yeah, exactly. are just, they're off in their own little world. Apparently, so... They're working on this Robinson Cano Edwin Diaz trade with the Mets. Saw that. So, and with the Mariners. yeah, the Mar- the Mariners are having quite the sell off. Jerry Depoto is just doing another fire sale. He loves trades. Um, mm-hmm. I know by the time this podcast airs, and most of you li- most of you listen to this, it it'll probably be completed, or and, and we'll know what whatever's going ha- to happen at the time. But as of right now, I, I just see, I'm just seeing a tweet from John Heyman uh, saying Jay Bruce is in the Cano Diaz deal currently on the table, and so is former Brewer Anthony Swarzak. Remember oh, that guy? Go. Everyone, sure do. <laughs> everyone wanted to bring him back because he was pretty decent in in 2017 after the Brewers got him, and then he signed right. like a two year, 14 million dollar deal with the Mets. Was absolutely terrible. He was hurt. And now it could be traded as salary relief to the Seattle Mariners. I mean, <laughs> that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's the best way to put it. I don't know. I honestly don't know how this is going to work out for either of the two teams. Um, I guess we'll see. I, f- I feel bad for Edwin Diaz should this go through because he's going to go from an elite closer on a non-competitor. Mm-hmm. To an elite closer on a non-competitor, I mean the <laughs> right. the Mets are not going to really be competitive next year. I, I just I don't see it. No matter what Brody Van Wagenen, their agent thinks he can do, I I really don't see this working out in their favor. I mean, the, I mean their whole strategy makes a little sense, I, I guess. But I mean they're giving up those prospects to to get Diaz potentially, and then they're looking to trade Syndergaard to try and get impact MLB players in return, which no one really has. And then... Right. Because everyone who'd be trading for Syndergaard needs those impact players to win, which is why they're getting Syndergaard. But... Yeah, I, I think they're, they're valuing... I mean, Syndergaard's a heck of a pitcher, but they're valuing them pretty high, especially with just the health concerns oh, yeah. that he's had in his past. Mets Twitter way overvalues Noah Syndergaard. Oh, my God. Some of the trade proposals I've seen on Twitter, whew, are ridiculous. I mean, we, wasn't we, there one where I was gonna say wasn't there one where uh, Christian Yelich and another player for him? Yeah, and that was like that. that was like an actual like TV media guy that was saying <laughs> he he's like one of like the Mets like TV guys, and he's like, yeah, how about this, Christian Yelich and Zach Davies for Noah Syndergaard and uh, Brandon Nimmo? And we're like, are you are you nuts? <laughs> I mean, oh. that's wild. Yeah, that was that was terrible. But I saw one on Twitter. Someone's that's like delusional. Someone's like Noah Syndergaard for Chris Bryant, like straight up. Oh my goodness! And all these Mets fans were saying no, because you're not getting enough back. 
I'm like, are you serious right now? Uh-huh. You wouldn't trade an injury-prone starting pitcher for a perennial MVP candidate in Chris Bryant? Right. Oh, People. People. Yeah. I mean, Brewers Twitter, I mean, we're guilty of being armchair GMs sometimes too, but... Well, everyone is, but... But, I mean, we can I'd come look- up with better trade proposals than that. Well, I was going to say, I'd like to think as a whole, the fan base would... Um, you know, know that that's a bad trade, you know, if it was yeah. on the brewer side or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to be somewhat realistic, you know. Well, of like, course. Like, like for the Yelch one, you got to realize Christian Yelch is not on the table, you know. Right. Or or the Indians fans I see, they're asking for, you know, Josh Hader as part of a return for Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer. I'm like, Josh Hader's not going anywhere. Right, there's untouchable guys. Yeah, but... and And... I mean, some people, too, also have to realize that if they want the Brewers to bring in a big name, um, we're going to have to, you know, would have to be okay with giving up some of those prospects that we have, too. Yeah. Okay, I, I think we had this this discussion on, on another podcast with, with a different guest, but I want to ask you, who would you trade Keston Hero for? Like, like which players around the league that that are on the trade block would you be willing to give up Keston Hira four in, in a trade package. Oof. It's tough. That is. Honestly, I don't have anyone off the top of my head. All right. I'll, I'll give you the two that we came up with uh, okay. during that show. I said Jacob deGrom and Corey Kluber. Yeah. The, those are the okay. only two pit. The, those are the only two players I'd be willing to trade Keston Hira for at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, and especially for DeGrom coming off the year that he had. Um, I think that would be worth it. It kind of goes into, you know, yeah, you have the prospects, and you want to, you know, make sure you're good for a long time, but in baseball you have such a small window or in any sport to really make championship run. And so if you really feel that one of those pitchers would be the one who would put you over the top to get to and potentially win the World Series, I think you got to do it, you know, if that were if that opportunity – were to come up, but yeah, it'd still be hard to part ways with them. Yeah. And for Syndergaard, I, I think the Mets would ask for Hira, except for if they get Robinson Cano, probably mm-hmm. not. But, you know, if the Brewers were to go after Syndergaard, which they are apparently rumored to be among the teams uh, that have interest and that are talking to the Mets about Syndergaard, um, what do you think that they would give up? Because for for me, Syndergaard, yeah, he's he's injury prone, but he's young, he's talented, he's under control for three years. So he's a he's a kind of guy that David Stearns would go after. You know, he's twenty six, he's got three years of team control for fairly cheap. I, I think it's just arbitration uh, right mm-hmm. now for him. So right. a player like that, long term control. Young player, ascending, a lot of talent. Sounds a lot like Christian Yelich, minus the injury concerns. What what would you give up for a guy like Noah Syndergaard? Well, I think for him, I mean, starting with the guys who are just kind of on top in that category, I think Peralta. Personally, I think Peralta and Hira would be the ones that you wouldn't give up. Um, you know, they might be looking for a pitcher in return. So, you know, Possibly, you know, Zach Brown in the minors. Um, 
Zach Davies. I don't know what kind of value Chase Anderson would have. Um, Domingo Santana, Keon Broxton. I know I'm just kind of listing. So, that, so you're trading the, the spare parts, basically. Yeah, and then I mean, honestly, I would be okay with like a Corey Ray in that situation. Yeah. Um, I think sell high on him right now. I think he had a pretty. I mean, he, he did have a very good year. Uh, and Biloxi. Um, but yeah, as far as any core pieces, like I said, they might ask for a Burns Peralta or Hero with them. I don't know if I'd pull the trigger on that. Yeah. I, I don't think I would either. I, I'm definitely okay with selling high on Corey Ray because mm-hmm. I'm not really as big of a, a fan of his play. I mean, he's a great guy. Don't get me wrong, right. but he doesn't hit for a very high average. And he's just kind of your power speed guy, but he doesn't really get on base enough and he strikes out a lot. And that's very concerning for me. And, you know, it again, it doesn't really fit the offensive profile that, that the Brewers are going for. They're, they're going away from those high strikeout, high home run, you know, all or nothing type hitters that they, they want to go towards more, you know, on, on base guys and guys that, that have stronger hit tools. And, that that's why they drafted Bryce Trang first this year. That's why they drafted Keston Hira first in 2017. You know they're, they're right. going for those guys with the high hit tools, and Corey Ray doesn't have that. So I am fine with selling high on Ray. I think you could do maybe Ray and Freddie Peralta to headline a package for Syndergaard. I think that mm-hmm. might be competitive enough. You have to throw in you know a couple of decent pieces uh, around them to get the Mets to actually bite. Maybe you have to throw in a guy like um, Peyton Henry. I, I know they're looking for a catcher. And, I mean, Nottingham mm-hmm. is close, but I don't know if they'd want Nottingham or places a high value on him. But, yeah, I, I'm really not sure what, what what they'd want, but I don't know. Yeah, and it's tough to know what uh, Stearns is thinking, too. I know he's mentioned in the previous trades kind of the untouchable people, but other than that – um, just where he values everyone. But I agree with what everything you said on Ray. I mean, I think he had like 235 this year, and when he does hit the ball, I mean, he hits the ball, and he's quick around the bases, but I think his strikeout percentage was like, I don't know, 30 or 33% this year, and that was actually down from last year, so <laughs> that's still yeah. up there. Yeah. So it's like, oh, he's making improvements, but it's still incredibly high. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, yeah, another thing that uh, we haven't been able to discuss over the past couple weeks is we haven't done a podcast was the 40-man roster deadline for the Rule 5 draft. Uh, I just just remembered this. So the Brewers added Troy Stokes Jr. and Trey Supak to the 40-man roster, which currently stands at 39, I believe. Wait, since... Yep. Since Eric Kratz has been... No, Eric Kratz was still on the 40-man roster. Okay, so yeah, it's currently at 39. So there's still room for another acquisition, but they left off a couple of big prospects, namely uh, the Brewers' 10th overall prospect in the MLB pipeline, Jake Gatewood. Uh, he was not protected ahead of the Rule 5 draft after coming after really a strong season until he got injured towards ACL, and he should be coming back from that in 2019. Uh, what, what do you think of the decision to leave off Jake Gatewood from the 40-man roster, leaving him open for the Rule 5 draft. Well, I, part of me thinks the injury had to be a big part of that. And 
you know, thinking that teams aren't going to necessarily go after him for their 2019 season. You know, obviously that's more of a long haul move in bringing him in. But I wonder, part of me was thinking if he was healthy, if he would have been listed on the 40 man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about Gatewood. I mean, I liked him coming out of high school. But, I mean, he's kind of got the same thing as Ray. You know, a lot of power, but big strikeout mm-hmm. issues. Not a very strong hit. Till this was the best year of his career, and he hit 244. Right. Like, it was it was bad. And, and then, because he's now at first base after Lucas Ersig forced him off the position in the minors. Mm-hmm. So... If the future for Jake Gatewood is at first base, so okay, corner infield guy, high strikeout, decent power, doesn't really get on base that much, doesn't hit for a high average, those guys are not valued very highly in Major League Baseball. Look at CJ Cron, who is just of the right. race. He had 30 home runs, he had an 800 plus OPS, right. and he I was just designated for assignment. Mm-hmm. So. Those guys, I mean, remember Chris Carter when he hit 40 home runs for the Brewers that one year? And then yep. they non-tendered him? Mm-hmm. Those types of players, just right. they're not valued that highly anymore. So mm-hmm. that's where I think leaving Gatewood off might might be safe because no one really needs a player like that on their roster. I agree. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. The Rule 5 draft is at the end of the winter meetings. It's going to be December 13th uh, in the morning. So that is when uh, the Rule 5 draft will go down. But the non-tender deadline is on Friday. And they're out, outside of Jonathan Scope. There are maybe a couple other non-tender possibilities for the Brewers. Um, Paul, just who do you, who do you think besides Jonathan Scope, is someone the, that the Brewers could non-tender tomorrow? Um, I think between Dan Jennings and Xavier Cedeno, um, personally, I think they should non-tender Dan Jennings. They, In addition to Hayter, they need another left-handed arm in the bullpen. Agreed. Um, and Cedeno gives you a little more versatility than what um, Jennings did, and they used Jennings and Cedeno, I guess, as well, a lot against just lefties. But Cedeno's numbers against lefties and righties last year, they were actually pretty similar, whereas Dan Jennings was giving up a 320 batting average, and I don't have the other numbers in front of me, but against right-handers. Um, so I think that gives Craig Council a little bit more flexibility um, with keeping Cedeno and not know, or not thinking that he can just go against left-handers. And also, Cedeno's do one and a half million. Jennings do a little more at one point six, but they definitely need to keep at least one of them. Yeah. Um, heck, if not both, just because the free agent market for left-handers out of the bullpen, it's just it's not terrible. Very strong this year, not at all. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with you there. I think only one of those guys will be back, and I like mm-hmm. Cedeno too, and I, I like him a little bit more than Jennings. Uh, but another candidate I, I think could get non-tendered is Tyler Saladino. Yep. I, I just think that there's no room for him in the infield, even if Jonathan Scope doesn't come back. I, I just don't see any way in which he makes this 25-man roster. I, I, I just don't because they're going to get someone else for second base. You're going to have Mauricio Dubon ready. Still going to have Travis mm-hmm. Shaw, Orlando Arcia, 
Aaron Perez. Aaron Perez is going to get tendered. Um, yeah. There's really no room for Saladino. He's going to start next year in AAA. So why would you tender him a major league contract? Right, exactly. That's a great point. And as you said, he just doesn't fit in. And then I was going through the rest of the list of tender non-tenders. And other than, you know, Jennings' uh, Cedeno decision and Saladino, I think every, just about everyone else is going to be brought back. Yeah, there, there are a lot of easy tender decisions in there, like <coughs> Travis Shaw, Manny Pena, Corey Knable, Jimmy Nelson. Yeah. All those guys are going to get tendered and, and brought back and pretty easy decisions uh, for the Brewers. So that deadline is Friday at 7 p.m. And I think we're going to see a lot of moves. Um, there, there's going to be a couple signings leading up to it, you know, Players and teams avoiding arbitration um, could see some trades heading down, which apparently that Robinson Cano deal is supposed to be getting ready to go around tomorrow. Um, well, Friday, whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, so a lot of it's been kind of a flurry of activity over the past week, really kind of starting since Monday. It's just been kind of nonstop rumors and a couple of signings and moves really kind of since the Thanksgiving weekend was over GMs and front offices just kind of picked back up where they left off and just finished off deals. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I mean, has been great because my phone's been blowing up with all these notifications <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. Um, I wish I had more time to enjoy it, but you know, I have this thing, this giant long paper that I have to write that's due um, in 15 and a half hours. Wonderful. Oh, plenty of plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> Next thing you know, it'll be two in the morning, and I'll be three cups of coffee in, and I'll have added nothing. There you go. Hopefully not. <laughs> but oh, well. but yeah, there have been a lot of uh, trade and free agent rumors uh, coming up, coming out over the past week, and a couple have involved the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, the one that I think is. A lot more critical, or at least a lot more important to some Brewers fans, is Mike Moustakis because he's he was already with the Brewers, and a lot of fans like him and want him to come back. And according to John Heyman, the Brewers are interested in a return for Mike Moustakis. But another team that is interested in, in Moose is the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh. Hated, hated NL Central division rivals. Uh, are also looking at Moustakis for third base after they lost out on Josh Donaldson. So what do you think with uh, Moustakis? Do you think he comes back? Do you think – well, I mean, obviously this will depend on what they do with Jonathan Scope, but since the reports are they're leaning towards a non-tender of Scope, let's let's go with the assumption that Scope is non-tendered. Do you think Moustakis would come back? I think he would like to come back. I think he'd – uh, did enjoy being here, and you see in his off-season photos. I know he lives in the same area as Yelich and Braun, but they've been spending a lot of time together. Um, and personally, I really liked him. I'd hate to have to root against him next year. Yeah. Um, I guess my one question is: is last off-season he was looking for that big multi-year deal and couldn't get it, hence yeah. why he was on the Royals for last year and got traded. Um, I just wonder if the Brewers. I don't know if they'd be willing to give him that. You know, he'll go to third, Shaw will go to second this year. 
Um, but with Keston Hira most likely up in 2020, you know, he'll take over second and then you come down to Shaw versus Moustakis, I guess, who you'd want to keep. Um, and Shaw's going to be, you know, he's cheaper. I'm guessing Moustakis, what would he want for a one-year 14, 15 million, which I think is fine to pay him that for one year. I just, I just feel that he's still looking for that, you know, guarantee three, four-year contract. And I just don't know if the Brewers can offer that for him. But as far as being in Milwaukee and being a part of the team, I don't think that that's an issue for him. Yeah, I, I think he'd definitely be open to it. But like you said, it, he's looking for that multi-year deal. And I think it'll, it depends on if he gets it. If, right. if the Cardinals offer him a three-year deal, I think, he'll, I think he'd take it as long as there's enough guaranteed money on an annual basis. But for the Brewers, I think they can only offer him a one-year deal. I think the yep. only way he comes back is if you know he's on that market long enough and he's realizing I'm not getting a multi-year deal, and if he's going to sign anywhere on a one-year deal, I think it'd be either Kansas City or Milwaukee, the, the two teams mm-hmm. that he's played for. Kansas City is not looking to spend the money, and they're not looking to contend, and Milwaukee would love to have him back. Um, so that that's that's the only real way I, I see him returning as a possibility. I just I really don't want to see him play for the Cardinals. I'd yeah. rather see him go to like the Angels or literally anywhere outside the NL Central. Right. Because that would just be too painful to to watch him. But he's he's another one of those guys. He doesn't really have a very high on base percentage over his nope. career. It's higher than scopes, but it's not, you know, he still doesn't draw that many walks. He drawed more. He drew he drew more uh, when he was with <laughs> the Brewers. Uh, you know, he, he kind of, I think his walk rate increased uh, a percentage or two when he was in Milwaukee. So I, I think he took to Milwaukee well. He played well. He really enjoyed the, the locker room and the city. Scope? I didn't really hear about enjoying the locker room or, or anything at all, really. I mean, there's no real mention of, of scope like among, in that clubhouse among that team really kind right. of meshing well. Like, like that doesn't mean like it, w- it went poorly in there that the entire clubhouse hated him. It, it doesn't mean that. But you still, you didn't really see anything of scope, you know, talking to anyone or really seeming to have have a great time or enjoy being in Milwaukee like you did with Moustaka. So I just I just observed that, and I found it interesting. Yeah, and Milwaukee might have been a smoother transition for Moustaka, too, just coming from Kansas City, um, yeah. just with the smaller, you know, smaller markets. You know, they're, Milwaukee and the Royals have a lot of similarities just as far as the organizations and how we, how we have to run the organization in order to be successful and stuff like that. So I think there is a little bit of... I can see there being a comfort factor there for him. Yeah, and and he rejoins his old friend uh, Lorenzo Cain. Yep. So yep, that, exactly. that obviously probably helped with the transition too, uh, mm-hmm. seeing one of his best friends there. Plus, I mean, he, he knew Ryan Braun and, and Christian Yelich worked out with them. He works out with them a bunch in the offseason. So yep. the, they're all from the same area. They know each other. Yeah, Scope? I think the only person Scope would have known would have been Wade Miley. And, yeah. You know, he's a pitcher, so who knows how – Close those two really even were at their time in Baltimore. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it it just it was interesting to me how Scope never really seemed to to mesh uh, with with the ball club with the rest of the guys. So, mm-hmm. but with you know most like you said most likely Scope being gone, 
I really hope we do make a run at Moustakas for next year. I, you know, Sean or Shaw did he did well at second base defensively. Yeah. Um, so he, I don't. I don't. I'm not worried about that. And what is he the the tallest second baseman ever now? <laughs> I, I don't know about ever because I think DJ Lemayhew is also six foot four. Oh, okay. And Lemayhew is a Gold Glover. Oh, that's true. Travis Shaw. I love the guy, but he does not have the range. <laughs> he oh, is not. not he's not that fluid of an athlete. Nope. But. Oh well, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Shaw back at second for for one more year and and Mustakis back, but we shall see how the market plays out. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Brewers are connected to another hitter on the market, and Joel Sherman reported that they reportedly had interest in JT Real Muto acquiring him. He is a top catcher on the market, one of the top catchers in baseball. Uh, the Marlins are looking to trade him. They're, they're looking to see what they can get. They are going to have a ridiculously high asking price on him because, ironically enough, they didn't get enough in return for Christian Yelich. So they don't want to they don't want to look stupid again and get an underwhelming return for one of their star players and have them go on to win league MVP. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. Do, do you see a real Muto trade to Milwaukee happening at all? Um, no, I don't. I think the Neither asking price is. I think it's. I think it's going to be really, really high for him. Um, man, having a catcher like that though at the bottom of the order because I just feel like that was that was that just stalled a lot of you know Pena and uh, Kratz. Their bats got hotter at the end of the year with Arcia, but there were times where that. You know, seven through nine, six through nine hitters just struggled and it, no rallies could get started or the ones that did. So, I mean, he'd be a phenomenal bat to have there, but they're just going to want way too many prospects there. And, you know, they're in their once every three year rebuild mode. So they're going to be wanting everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to get JT Romuto, the Brewers would have to give up Keston Hira. I don't think 100%. there's any way around it. And you're never going to try. It's like, oh, what about Corey Ray, or, or what about uh, you know these lesser prospects? It's not going to work. The the Marlins are going to demand Keston Hira, and rightfully so because J.T. Romuto is 26 years old. He's just entering his prime. He's mm-hmm. a premium offensive player. He's a premium defender at a premium position in his prime age. That costs a lot to get. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't find catchers that can hit that well and can play great defense very often. So they're going to ask for the moon. And if someone's willing to give it to them, you know, good for them. But I don't think that should be the Brewers to gut what's left of their farm system after the Yelich trade to go get Real Muto, who's only under control for two more years. Right. Yeah, the Brewers are one big trade away like that from that farm system that everyone talks about how stout it is to being really non-existent. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I think if Stearns did that, if he gutted the farm system to get Real Muto, he'd basically do what Doug Melvin did a couple years ago with with the Brewers roster, which caused this latest rebuild because he right. gutted the farm system and it really kind of closed down their window of of contention. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Real Muto for me is is off the table, but yeah, I mean, David Stearns will place a call on pretty much everyone just to see what the price is and see, 
you know, if there's any sort of realistic chance. That's one thing I do really like about him. Doesn't hurt to ask. Might as well find out. Yeah, I mean, just checking to see what the price is, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone might Check say, that. hey, they called about him, but it's right. still just like, hey, I'm just I'm just checking to see how it's going. Mm-hmm. Right, another name, another big name that the Brewers have been connected to on the free agent market, Madison Bumgarner. And everyone knows Mad Bum is kind of that postseason hero from the, those Giants World Series days where he just come out of the bullpen in, in the fifth inning of Game 7 and just shut it down after throwing like 100 pitches in Game 5 or Game 6 or whatever it was. Right. Dude was just a legend. And, of course, this year in 2017, uh, he drilled Ryan Braun, uh, which made <laughs> things get a little testy. And then Jonathan Scope did the only positive thing he ever did in a Brewers uniform, which was hit a grand slam off Bumgarner to respond to that. That was really the only hit I can remember from Jonathan Scope. That That's literally yep, the that only was, one. I agree. <laughs> well, so, you, there's only like four to choose from, so it's tough. <laughs> yeah. You got a 25% chance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, Madison Bumgarner has one year of control left. $12 million is his contract. And the Brewers and the Phillies, among other teams, are talking to the Giants. They have interest in acquiring him. And Bumgarner would be that that big-name ace starting pitcher for the Brewers to acquire. But over the past couple years... He's had a couple injury concerns. He's lost some miles an hour on his fastball. Uh, he hasn't been that that stud ace. He only threw 129 innings last year. Uh, had a couple of injuries that he's gone through over the past two years. So, Madison Bumgarner is he? Do you, do you think he's your answer for the top of the Brewers rotation? Um, no, just because of for everything that you mentioned there, and then. I just think the asking price for them from the Giants is going to be once again, um, I think, way too high. And the one-year control, I don't like either. I just, I just don't know if you know, come this time next year, if he was a Brewer, um, if there'd be enough money to pay him to stick around, or if another team would would come in and you know offer him a bigger contract. So that's kind of my fear. And like you said, he's lost some miles per hour off the fastball. He's just. Not the same, still heck of a pitcher, but just not as dominant as he once was. And so for the asking price with that and for potentially just, or likely maybe just one year of them, I, I just don't see it being realistic. Yeah, and I, I don't really like the idea of a Bumgarner acquisition either. Basically for that same thing, he's got one year of control. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like the chances of it happening because David Stearns has prioritized getting guys with multiple years of team control. And he knows Madison Bumgarner is not going to stay in Milwaukee past next year should he trade for him. He knows he's going right. to hit the free agent market. He's going to get a bunch of money, and he's not hes not going to come back. He's not going to want mm-hmm. to return to hitter-friendly Miller Park. He just right. won't. So for Bumgarner, one year of control and been injured the past two years, hasn't been the same pitcher, I wouldn't make that bet. And the Giants, like you said, they're going to have a ridiculous asking price because they set the price at the name value, at what that is worth, as opposed to what his actual pitching over the past two years shows that he's worth. 
Right. So for Agreed. me, Dude. Uh, I, I was just going to say for me, I, I just don't think a Bumgarner trade is all that likely because of it. I agree. Do you think if, say, he's still on San Francisco into next year, do you think he becomes a potential target at the at the deadline in July? For you think the Brewers might be in then? I think so. If they don't get their their front of the rotation starter this winter, right? Um, I think he could be an option because his price is going to be significantly lower because it's only for two three months, mm-hmm. and it'll depend on how he's pitching. If he's pitching right, great, see if he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. See if he's healthy. See if he's not continuing that trend downward that he has over the past two years. His swinging strike rate has gone down. His his whiff rate, his strikeout rate, all down over the past couple of years. Ever ever since he's been starting to lose his velocity. So, I don't know. I mean, he had six straight years of two hundred plus innings pitched, and that's going to take a toll on an arm. So we'll yeah, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, for Bumgarner, I don't think a trade for him to Milwaukee this winter is all that likely. At least at this point in in the off season. Agreed. All right, there's one more name that's been connected to the Brewers over the past couple of days, and everyone knows the Indians are looking to sell one of their starting pitchers. They have a bunch of really good ones. Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, and Trevor Bauer. And according to reports, the most likely one to get traded is Trevor Bauer. He's got two years of control remaining through arbitration. He's projected to get, I think, $11 million this year and about $20 million maybe the year after that in 2020. So he's, his value is going to go way up in arbitration. And, I mean, for... As many weird things as he says on Twitter, he's a very smart guy <laughs> when it comes mm-hmm. to baseball, when, when it comes to pitching. He knows his stuff. Uh, very smart, very intellectual when it comes to analytics. Uh, he knows what he's doing, which I think is a positive for David Stearns and, and the Brewers, who are obviously very analyt- analytics-oriented. Uh, but w- what do you think of, of Trevor Bauer? W- what do you think of possibly adding him to the rotation? Um, he's someone I would I would like to add. Um, he's coming off of uh, his, you know, one of his better years. His ERA was two two one versus three nine four, which is his career average. And what I noticed was a big difference from last year was the home run ball. He just gave up nine home runs, whereas just about every other year in his career, he's given up at least twenty plus. Um, so I think that was a big part of it. He had two hundred twenty one strikeouts, fifth in the AL. His whip was just over one at 1.089. I mean, all around he was just terrific, and I think that's going to obviously bump the asking price for him. Um, my one concern, once again, is the the control. I think it's till 2021 is when he becomes a free agent. Um, but he said in articles before that he's he just wants to sign one-year deals over the course of his major league career. Yeah, um, and if someone's going to do that and bet on themselves, that's fantastic. But oftentimes that comes with where's the most money coming from, since you're not getting the long-term security or you know the fully guaranteed contract. And then once again, Milwaukee being in the small market, I just I don't know if we would be able to retain them after that. But we'd still have you know 2019 and 2020. So I mean, 
I, I definitely think it's worth looking into, and then we'll just make sure that there's a clause where he can't play with drones in his contract. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's. <laughs> I think everyone's trying to add that to his to his contract. Do you remember? Do you remember the story of why uh, he he um, isn't going to sign anything more than a one year deal? Because that's a pretty funny story. Do you, do you yeah, remember you said uh, why? Yeah, maybe fill in the gaps for me. But he made a made a bet with his buddies and. Supposedly there wasn't any sort of beer or anything involved in that bet, but um, that's as that's as far as I remember. Yeah, he made a bet with his buddies that <clears throat> if he signs anything more than a one year deal, like anything longer than that, they they all get to punch him in the nuts. <laughs> so he's like, some, "Well, there's some incentive for you." Yeah, it's like, "Well, I don't want that to happen, so I guess we're just <laughs> right. going to stick with the one year deals." So well, which, I guess, yeah, it, it does make it. More difficult for the acquiring team, especially a small market team like the Brewers, who, when it comes to one-year deals for a pitcher of, you know, the quality that he can be, he could sign for one year, twenty-five, thirty million, and, and right. he could get way up there in terms of average annual value just because of one year, as opposed to a four or five-year deal, averaging out at maybe twenty or so million. So, mm. it's kind of smart on his part, but if he ever gets hurt, it's going to backfire on him. Well, 100%. And I think what the Brewers would have to give up, since the Indians are looking to deal Kluber as well, um, and we talked about this earlier, you know, if it's Kluber, they're going to ask for Hira. If it's Bauer, I don't think they're asking for Hira. You know what I mean? I think that yeah. because they have Bauer or because they have Kluber out there, it's not going to be as high of a priority. Obviously, it's not going to be, but I think they know that. Does that make sense? It's not. Yeah. They're going to be more realistic with what the return should be. So I do think that that would make it more plausible that the Brewers could, um, you know, make that deal happen. Yeah, and I, and I think what it is, <clears throat> I, I think the Brewers are a good match for the Indians because the Indians are looking. I mean, they're looking for MLB ready guys to help them too because the AL oh, Central is extremely easy to win. And right. they're looking for MLB guys to kind of add to their roster because they're not going to be able to sign what they want in free agency. Mm-hmm. So you can include guys like Domingo Santana or Keon Broxton because they need outfielders desperately. Right. They have basically no one. And the Brewers, because of David Stearns, have an overabundance of outfielders. So, I mean, they could take a pick. Keon Broxton, Domingo Santana, you know, they're like, go for it. Have at them. Yeah. And, you know – Probably got to throw in one or one, at least good pitching prospect. Maybe a guy like Freddie Peralta or Brandon Woodruff. I, I don't think you got to give up Corbin Burns for a guy like right. Trevor Bauer. But I mean, you give up a guy like Woodruff and Domingo Santana and Broxton and and maybe some sort of mid level prospect for mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer. I mean, that's not it's not terrible. No, and it's two years of Trevor Bauer, so it's not at least you know it's not just one and done. Yeah, so I, I, I would I would be open to to that trade. Plus, Trevor Bauer is just such an interesting character to follow. I just think it'd be so much funny. But right, I think you would fit in well in that brewery locker room too. Well, just the, with all the all the characters and guys. Yeah, I mean the fit is is really really key for the Brewers because of their clubhouse culture and, and how they've kind of gotten it together. Uh-huh. And Trevor Bauer, I mean, he can be kind of a kind of an annoying individual at some times. And I think he said on Twitter the other day that he was talking about how he was better than Corey Kluber. 
And it's just, I don't know. I He might rub some people the wrong way. I don't know if he... I guess I could see that. Yeah. He might do that in Milwaukee. I mean, I don't think he does... I don't think he rubs anyone the wrong way in, in Cleveland, simply because, it, I mean, they just kind of know that's who he is. Right. But as long as... As long as the Brewers guys are okay with it, and they kind of welcome him, welcome him in, and you know they're not trying to force him to change who he is, and he's not trying to change anything else, and they just kind of go with it. I think it could work, but I mean that's that's going to be a very interesting one for any acquiring team looking to looking to get Trevor Bowers to see how he could fit into that clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I don't think the Brewers have anyone on their team that has played with uh, Trevor Bauer at all. I don't think they have anyone from the Indians recently that's that's been with them. Was Aguilar there? It might not have been at the uh, same time. Oh yeah, Aguilar. Aguilar probably knows him. Okay, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Completely forgot about that whole Aguilar thing. Um, so Aguilar might, but still, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be one big issue to figure out. It is time for the hot take corner. So now we are going to give uh, our hot takes ready for the, for the hot take corner because you know it's the off season. There's a lot of things going around, and we gotta come up with something something juicy because we haven't had this <laughs> in a couple weeks. All right, Paul, I'm gonna let you go first. What is your hot take here in the hot take corner? Mine is. Obviously, the Brewers are, you know, we just spent a good amount of this time talking about who is someone that the Brewers could trade for. And a pitcher that I am willing to part ways with, obviously it has to be for the right fit, would be Brandon Woodruff. Um, Obviously, we know Corbin Burns is untouchable. Um, Freddie Peralta and Woodruff are in that category where for the right person they could be traded. And if it comes down to choosing between the two, for me, I would love to keep Freddie Peralta. Um Reasonings behind that, a lot of it is just what he's shown us at the big league level has been there's a larger sample size and he's been more consistent. Um, Woodruff was a hero and, you know, the the postseason pitched really well. Um, but up until that point when he was up here in the spring when Miley and Davies was injured, um, in the starter role he struggled mightily. Um, when he came back as a reliever, he did better but was still sent down back to the minors and – I think mid-July-ish, and then when he came back September 1st, um, started to get better then out of the bullpen. And then, like I said, in the playoffs, he's done well, but Peralta just put together a larger sample size. He was, you know, once he came up for that Colorado game and got going, um, I just like what I saw to him, and I just think that, you know, they're both great players, and obviously I'd hate to lose either of them, but if I had to choose, I'd be okay with parting with Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, I I, got to agree with you there, actually, because – I mean, well, like like you said, it it kind of be selling high on Brandon Woodruff because he didn't really show. That's what I think it is. He didn't really show that that kind of starting potential during the regular season. All of a sudden, during the playoffs, he turned it on, which was great. And that home run off Clayton Kershaw is something I won't forget. But mm-hmm. I mean that it could just be you know selling high, and he just peaked at peaked at a good time. But all right, yeah, I agree. Oh, I was gonna say too, it's. Now we're having that conversation about adding him to the rotation, and I think he, you know, he's earned that chance. But you know, five days before the playoffs started, he was he wasn't a part of you know any conversation of a 2019 starting pitching role. So right, all right, I'm going to throw in a hot take. 
so hot, I'm probably going to get blown up in the comments and people are, are going to be hating <laughs> on me for this for forever. But here it goes. I don't think the Brewers should have brought back Eric Kratz. I, I didn't like bringing him back. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a one-year deal. It's arbitration. You know, it's not fully guaranteed. I mean, he's a 39-year-old catcher. You know, he, he had a career batting average of 203 before he got here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had a really hot month stretch kind of in, in September and, and into the postseason. He had a really good NLDS. But he's not the savior. He's not the future at catcher. He's a fun guy, sure. He's a good guy in the clubhouse. But as a player, the dude's a 203 career hitter. And people are acting like he's going to, you know, all of a sudden become, you know, this 250 average guy with, you know, a bunch of pop and he's going to be great. No, he's not. He's just going to be one year older. His knees are not going to be getting any better. And it's just, I don't think he's going to be that good. Yeah, he was a personal catcher for Chasin and, and Miley and they meshed well, sure. But Miley's going to be gone, and Kratz is just, he's not going to be able to hit enough over a whole season to be worth anything as, as a starting catcher or even as a backup catcher. I mean, he's a nice guy to have in the clubhouse, but he's not somebody you should expect to do anything. I, I just don't think they should have brought him back. I, I think they should have just gone with Pena and Nottingham, maybe bring back you know, vote on a non-guaranteed minor league deal or something just, just to see if he's healthy in spring training. I'd have rather seen that than try to bring back Eric Kratz. I, I agree with you, too. Um, oh, no, you're going to get blown up in the comments now, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the guy. But as you oh, said, yeah, I love you know, him. But his, his career numbers in 39, it's... It makes me wonder what if there's concern about Nottingham, you know, not being able to be the number two to Pena. Um, yeah. If they don't feel he's ready. Um, but yeah, that was, I was, that one caught me off guard as well. And I know if he doesn't make the 25 man roster, I think it does his contract get bumped down to like 300,000. So I wonder if part of it was kind of a, a safety net move. You know, see how Nottingham looks. See if there's, you know, someone's available late in free agency to join Pena. I, I don't know. That's just speculation on my part because, like I said, I was um, caught me off guard as well. Yeah, I just, I really don't think he's going to be playing a, a big role next year, and uh, it's just, I, I, I want to give Nottingham the chance at least to just to see what he I can agree. do. Um. All right, well, that's our show today on the Reviewing the Brew podcast. I'd like to thank Paul Bredel for joining me. I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you again next week on the Reviewing the Brew podcast.